Thank you for tuning into the Hope When There Was None podcast. And here we share stories to educate you, to empower you and inspire. So thank you for listening and tuning in. Please do me a favor and share if you have a favorite episode, or maybe you think somebody else that needs a dose of positivity and to maybe break open some of the darkness, let there be light. So thank you again for all of your support and encouragement. I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh. Fingers crossed. I hope we're live and it says we are. <laughs> wow. This is Melinda Kuntz from Hope When There Was None. I am sorry. We've been having some technical difficulties. Thank you, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg, for this platform, but it's being a little glitchy today. <laughs> so I am joined by my beautiful guest here, my beautiful and patient guest, Pia. Thank you. <laughs> So let's do this and hopefully, you know, Lord, just cover this with, with your grace and with your safety that her story gets out today, Lord. And, and so let me, have, let me have her share her story and let's do this. <laughs> Wonderful. And you know, Melinda, I think people are generally pretty understanding of technical glitches and things like that because we're so reliant on technology now yeah and so of course the, the it just becomes i think all of us have had this kind of moment probably in the last week so <laughs> and uh, yes so, such a pleasure to be here and um and based on our previous conversation before pressing record i have a feeling it's going to be a rich conversation so so i'm thrilled to be here um so my name is Pia Pranamagrud, originally from Norway, but now I live kind of Germany and Hong Kong. And uh, I'm a woman's personal mastery and leadership coach. And by leadership, it's really not about being having a CEO or some sort of fancy managerial position. It's more about how you lead yourself in your life. And that's very much an inside job. So along with that, of being a coach, trainer, and facilitator, I'm also a holistic counselor. And I also do a trauma-informed modality called biodynamic breath and trauma release, which is a wonderful, simple breathing technique that helps us to release some of the, the trauma that's stuck in the body. And uh, my work is very much informed from various therapeutic trainings, spiritual studies, Mindfulness and, and meditation has been a huge part of not just my life, but also how I work with my clients. And at the end of the day, my work is really about coming closer to realizing your personal truth and creating personal freedom inside. And so that's really about supporting, especially women. I do work with men, but I, I really... Prefer to work with women probably because of my journey as a woman myself, my my sort of growth and self development journey as a woman has been such a big big part of my life. But it's really about also looking at work around inner child healing is is something that's really really close to my heart. And that's, you know, bringing awareness and acceptance to any of the wounds that we carry from, from childhood. And I know that that's a, a big part of some of the things that we're going to be talking about today. So I can say many more things, but I think I've said enough for now. 
And I really wish that I had, and I had mentioned this to you, that I record the before we get people on because we have such just beautiful, as you mentioned, rich conversations. And it just, it's amazing the things that come up, that pop up, you know, almost like a before and then an after show too, because we have these great yeah. conversations. I, I, I kind of wish that that's <laughs> something, and it probably is. And I just am not technologically technologically enough to know how to do that. But you know what, what drew me to you is your story. And so I'm going to ask, well, how did you, and I know, but how did you start your journey into being a coach and, and all of this? Because there is a story there that um, transpired mm. that you overcame. So would you mind sharing that, please? Absolutely. It will be my pleasure. So I, I would say that most of my adult life, I did not live what I would call an authentic life. And that came from, I suppose, you know, I was a very sensitive child. And I think that, that the more sensitive, I think children in general are, are sensitive, as you would know, as a mother. But I think what what happened in my life is that I had parents that that struggled a great deal inside of their relationship. And what that looked like was a lot of fighting. And, and what I ended up doing is I ended up becoming a little bit of this kind of pleaser and, and a little bit later on in my teens, I suppose, a mediator. And so what I what I ended up doing was that that I was constantly looking outside of myself for cues about what can I do to create peace in the family? What could who do I need to be in order to make things better for th these two people that I love more than anything in the world? And and I am not alone in this type of behavior. This mm -hmm. is this is actually very, very common behavior. And so for any of us that that grow up with any type of dysfunction in our families. And that can be anything from divorce to, of course, any types of addiction to, to there might be some sort of violence. Um, the children tend to look for ways to balance what's going in the, on in the family. And perhaps sometimes that could look like, I'm gonna do something to take the attention away from the, the pain point in the family, let's just call it that. And so, so th this is my story, but it's actually very, very common. Children do this because of course, we love our parents more than anything. And when there are big problems in the family, it's not like at age four, you're gonna, you pack your bag and you go, I'm moving down to the Johnsons, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> we don't do that, right? We don't have that, we don't have the capacity to be on our own at such a young age. Right. And so instead we just find other strategies. And so part of the strategies that we develop is to, to show up in certain roles. And, and those roles, these are, these are not roles that we choose consciously. But uh, the, the role I chose was that of a good girl or a pleaser. And that's a, that's a pretty exhausting role to have because, again, you're constantly thinking about everybody else before yourself. And that's what I continue to do long into adulthood. 
So you can imagine, you know, like in any relationship I was in, friendships with family or with a boyfriend, let's just say, I was always very busy thinking about what can I do to please? What can I do to fit in? And, and that's what I meant by not really living an authentic life. And, and on top of my, my, my parents struggling in their relationship, my mom also struggled with depression for, for many years. And it, it went in, in and out. So it wasn't a constant throughout my, my life, but certainly this was, um, she, she experienced a great deal of trauma as a very young age. Um, she, uh, she was sexually abused by uh, her stepfather when she was six. But instead of the stepfather being sent away or, or punished for what he did, she was sent away. Oh. So she was sent away by her, from away from her mother and away from her twin brother. Oh. So you can imagine growing up with, with uh, away from the number one person, you know, the person that's most important to you, which is right. always gonna be mother. You know, she carried us for all those nine months. So, so that was something she struggled with a great deal. And then enter me, the daughter, not so much the son, but the daughter. I became, I was very much her crutch. So I was anything from the confidant to just the friend. And part of that was also that often and you know, she was always just doing her best, right? But of course, you can imagine st struggling with depression is is sometimes it's just unbearable. And so sometimes, you know, she would ask me to lie on the phone to say she wasn't there. And of course, it seems like quite a, um, an innocent thing. But of course, all of us as children, we look to the adult person of, of the same sex to say, you know, what's it? How should I act as an adult? We, we learn that from our same-sex parent, right? So, so, of course, some of these things uh, created quite a lot of confusion and sometimes quite a big, bit of anger in me because, of course, there was part of me that, that, didn't, didn't, um, that knew that it wasn't okay to lie. But, of course, I would do whatever I was told because, again, coming back to this pleaser, or I call it the good girl syndrome, but that could easily be flipped to, to men. So any men listening, for sure, men will also take on the pleaser role. But I think from a, from a conditioning perspective, I think women tend to lean a little bit more towards the pleaser because that also fits a little bit with female conditioning about, you know, we take care of the family and the children and, and these kind of things. And, um, you know, so it took me... By the time, this is now 11 years ago, my mom was finally admitted to a, a mental institution, which in fact was, was a, a, a huge gift because she had got to a place where she just wasn't functioning. She was actually not there anymore. So this was when I was an adult. So this is 11 years ago. And, and, um, and I had actually been working in this mental institution that my mom was, was going to be admitted to. And my, my dad was quite concerned about, I hope we won't have to take it as far as having her admitted. But because I'd worked there and seen the good work that they do there, I was like, I think it's a great idea. They will take good care of her. And so she, she uh, was really, uh, she was taken really 
great care of her and what have you. But since then, you know, there was a lot of drugs involved with trying to have her uh, cope. So, so, um, but when she was admitted, that just, that just kind of pushed me over the edge. Mm. And what I said about, you know, living this un inauthentic life. And then on top of that, mom being so sick, I actually entered a, a depression myself. And, uh, and I think it was just my soul that was just like, something has got to give. This is not okay anymore. There's, there's this, there's this other Pia inside that wants to live life, who wants to to shine her unique bright light. And it took this dark night of the soul for me to realize that this was not this was not who I wanted to to be. So I am hugely grateful. But of course, those moments for anybody listening who's ever suffered from depression or might even feel quite depressed now. It doesn't feel good in that moment. And of course, I'm now speaking in retrospect, it's so many years ago now, but but to then have that be the, the springboard or catalyst to me really going deep on my inner journey of finding this unique being that was living and alive inside just wasn't expressed externally. So, so my mom spent about three and a half months in the institution. I spent about a year in depression but then I did start seeking support and mm -hmm. and I my life I have I really haven't looked back since. Um, however, my mom was never really able to come back from from this the deep, deep depression she had been in, and the drugs were just the drugs are horrible actually she was taking antidepressants antipsychotic medication and it just mm -hmm. it's a killer actually these awful medications uh, i know it helps a lot of people but it certainly didn't help my mom and and sadly she um maybe 10 years ago now she she ended her own life and and um you know, I think nobody nobody's ever prepared for uh, the death of a parent. We always kind of think they'll always be there. But I think also then in the in the context of of uh, such a violent death that uh, you, you're nobody prepared me for that. Mm. Uh, but by the time that she did end her own life, thankfully, I had I had hours and hours and weeks of therapy under my belt and and i i am very grateful for that because i just already had had a very beautiful soft place to land and that was in this the 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 work that i've already i'd already done but also then with my therapist so that that you know i would say that with such an awful awful thing that happened I, but I had a place that I could go to where I felt really safe and that I can just continue to work through this unbearable pain that, of course, comes along with, with the suicide of any person. But, of course, especially this one person that Carrie does, the mother, that, that is, I think, even, even more challenging. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's quite a strong story. And... 
and it's I also believe that it's it's somehow somehow I chose this and and I think the fact that I have met with so many challenges in my life it just helps me to support others because when my work as a as a counselor or or, or a coach there's so many things that I've had to go through myself and therefore I feel that I do come equipped with a little bit more compassion perhaps and understanding before, because of the, the journey I've taken myself and the fact that I've had to, I, I'd really have to go through and do so much inner work to come to a place where I can meet daily life with, with a lot of joy and love and, and personal freedom, yeah. My gosh. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my goodness. I know that's going to help somebody out there that's struggling with the depression or with, you know, losing a parent or somebody to suicide. So thank you so much mm -hmm. for sharing that. Um, I can't imagine the grief and the anguish that you went through. I really can't. Wow. Yeah. And, and I think also because of our family system and because I started my my therapy work so many years before my mom passed away, I, I really could handle it. I mean, of course, it was such a deep grief. And at the same time, the resources that I'd already created and set up for myself in my life uh, were really supportive. And so I suppose part of my mission is to really speak about the challenges that I've had to face because I know, and especially during this pandemic, you know, mental health issues have just skyrocketed, you know, and, and, I, and I really believe that no matter where you are in your journey, it's never too late to start an inner journey. You know, it's an inside job. And that's what I learned so painfully is I was always looking to the outside to get Re to resource myself to find solutions and it just doesn't work you it, it, it you know it's an inside job and and i started um my inner journey i suppose about 21 years ago and so so i had a lot of work on you know father issue mother issue that i'd done in therapy that really supported this journey and so that's also why it's it's at the time, you know, like, for example, at the funeral, none of us could even speak. There were no sort of uh, speeches or let's celebrate this person's life. I mean, we just didn't have words. Um, but now, of course, I, um, I very happily speak about this because I do think it's so important for people out there to know that it's so easy for them to look at you and look at me and go, well, they've got it all figured out or they're happy. See, but I'm not happy. Right. And, and we're, we're all struggling in, in, in one way. Right. And that's why it's even more important. I think the work that you do, the work that I I do to to make let people know that they're not on the, They're not alone. And especially because so many of our challenges come from our childhood and we've all had a childhood. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So there are are actually some there are there are cre clear roots that we can take to support ourselves to heal some of the pain that we're carrying often from childhood and although it might come up as a 
as a sapling or a blossom or a full-blown bush in adulthood, <laughs> if, you, if you take the journey down to the roots, it will, without a doubt, lead you back to childhood in one shape or form. And you know, I like what you said too, just basically about getting, using that inner person that you have there. So many people, once they um, realize maybe, they never realize that they are having these inner child issues. Like I did, and I told you that when we initially talked the very first time, I had no idea. And so they kind of gravitate, again, the people pleasing or gravitating to another relationship to find the fulfillment. And it's almost like you're chasing rainbows. You're constantly looking for that happiness, really and truly. So you explained it so very well. And even I did write it down when we were talking about being, a, and you said this, and I love this, being a repeat offender to ourselves that we do this. I really do like that you, you said that because we did. And I know I've been there. I've yeah. been that person. I've done that to myself. My own yeah. inner mean girl has come out and just did some horrible stuff to me. And yeah. uh, you know, I, I like that you help people break that down into meditation. I love the work that you do because I didn't realize I was holding my breath very <laughs> for a long time. I, and it was like I was coming up for air and, and yeah. just drowning. So I like that you do the breath work and the meditation. And my gosh, it is so very good and organic. Yeah. Like you mentioned about medication. I think we're so as a society, just so quick just to have the doctor just he just writes out or she just writes out that prescription for us. And that's not the, the answer to it all. You know, no. it's doing that work. And I know I was on medication. I've shared this before with my, my audience here that, and it didn't work for me. It no. made me suicidal. It made me even worse. So, yeah. uh, you know, but I, I know everyone's got to find their own, their own groove. And their own their own way, yeah. yeah. And it's not that I'm saying that they don't help. They do help a great many people, but just didn't work for me so I had to kind of do my own thing yeah but you know when when um you know in our past conversation we were talking about like you said the we become repeat offenders towards ourselves and that's really when we 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 just lose ourselves in order to be loved or in order to be accepted right and so we find ourselves in in relationships that don't work and yet we stay. Mm -hmm. We we find ourselves in jobs where we're we're working as slaves sometimes again because we think this is how it works. I have to, mm -hmm. I have to give whatever I have in order to be accepted. And so, you know, part of part of what what happens to us in childhood is that you know we're we're born perfect. You know, we're born so wise because we, we, we don't have all this head stuff going on. We're just purely beings of light, you know, just embodying this little body that we've got, right? right. And we're perfect. And, and um, in my work or the work that part of the work that I do, we call it, this is your essence, mm -hmm. right? And, and, but then what happens is that along the way, we get hurt, right? We get you know, it could be that, and, and we call it, so if you can imagine, we've got um, our, our, our essence is one little circle, and then we have two more layers outside of that. So when we experience hurt, uh, when we experience adversity, when we experience challenges or even trauma, um, the second layer is, is what 
um, we call the wounded vulnerability. And this is where we think we, if we can just put this extra layer on top of our essence, we can stay safe. So it's really this layer is uh, to, um, what happens here is things like we get shamed or we experience abandonment or betrayal, anxiety, fear, etc. Right? Right. And then finally, the third layer is where uh, our coping mechanisms show up. And that's mostly, we're mostly in that third layer when we're meeting the world, me as a good girl or a helper pleaser, you might be a perfectionist or a hero because the hero in the family does cannot do anything wrong, right? And again, the hero then takes the attention away from, from the dysfunction in the family and look, I'm a straight A student, or look, I'm the head of the football team or whatever that is, right? It could be somebody who's the rebel who then who then decides that I'm just gonna do all those, the opposite of the hero, because then again, that's my way. If I get all straight Fs, it's my way. I just have a different way of taking the attention away from the from the, the dysfunction in the family. So the, the the work that I do is we need to get into the feelings. And the feelings live in that wounded vulnerability. And that's where most people get, feel very, um, don't wanna go there because it's painful. Mm. Not realizing that it's actually equally painful to be in our roles wearing a mask, right? right. And so, so um, coming back to what you said about holding your breath, Yes, I do this particular type of breath work. However, just using breath as a way to, to calm yourself down, for example, is a wonderful type of meditation. But what happens is that when you hold your breath or when you don't breathe really deeply into your belly and using your diaphragm, what happens is it's a subconscious way of stopping us ourselves to feel. So, if you are somebody who's like, okay, I'm gonna really use breath now as a way to, as a meditation, really start breathing deeper, you can expect to start feeling more. And that's where most of us kind of go, eh! we stick our foot on the, on the brakes because that is not something we enjoy. The, the fear or the, the, the painful feelings, it could be even rage, right? right. And we don't wanna go there. And so when, when you hold your breath, it's a really good strategy to not to feel. But the only way for healing, any type of healing, you've got to go through it. And that's why we work through this second layer where all these painful feelings are in order to come back to our true nature, to our, our essence. And that's quite a journey. That is, that is, and it can be a long journey and I know for myself, I thought it once I left my uh, toxic relationship that it's like it's going to be rainbows and unicorns. You know, I'm out of it. But man, that's when the real work started happening for me. Mm -hmm. That's when I realized, you know, after a, a little bit of a mourning period, then I realized, okay, I need to do this. And not so much for my kids because I did want to do it for them, but also for me. I wanted to kind of dig in and find out who I was because I lost myself. I didn't know who I was for so long. You know, I mm -hmm. had, like you said, the good girl. The, the one that was always the mediator, the one that's trying to gloss over things, dysfunction, I, that, that was me. And I still, to some extreme, do that to some level. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I do. 
I do do that. So that yeah. is, I never thought about that though, for my breathing, that, that, that was a way to protect myself. I never really thought about yeah. it that way. Wow. And, and the thing with protecting yourself, it's a really important, important for us as children to have strategies to keep ourselves safe. But what we often then do is we don't realize that when we become adults, it's like, well, actually, I don't need those self-protection mechanisms anymore. They were super helpful when I was a kid. I needed them. But now as an adult, we can we can actually take care of ourselves. But we still then have the, for example, in my case, a, a, a pleaser, right? right. And, and, and that doesn't just show up in, let's say, with with a with a partner but it also shows up in places like work and so whatever strategies you've got in place you can be sure that they're not working you think that they are and that's when you thought ah i've left my my abusive relationship now everything's going to be great mm -hmm. but the real work starts because it wasn't about the relationship you had to then go back right and start looking at well where where did this start for me and how did I end up in this relationship? That requires the, the going back in time. Because at the end of the day, he was a result of some things you learned mm -hmm. as a child. Yeah. You thought that, yes, this person is okay. It's okay if he's abusive. Oh, first time, second time. And then it just becomes a part of, of, of life because, well, I guess this is what I deserve. Mm -hmm. And there's something in the past where we learn these kind of beliefs. That's why we've got to, we've got to go through those feelings. And the, the reward at the end is huge. Is. But you've got to take that, the, the plunge and the courage to take that journey. Yes. And that is, that is like a hero's journey in itself. It really is. It really is. And no one can do it for you. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be you. And I know, and I've mentioned this before in previous videos that I know some gals that were actually um, starting the journey. Like when I was they, maybe a month or two, or even a few months before I did. And, and I talk to them now and they're still, they still haven't made it maybe even a baby step forward they're still mm -hmm. trapped uh, like in their own prison, their own jail. Maybe it's guilt, maybe it's shame that's keeping them captive there, but they're still in that. And there's that fear, like you mentioned, there's that fear once they have to start confronting that. And I think that I know that's scary. I know I've been there. there I get that. I know. I totally get that. Wow. Oh, so let's talk about your book that you have too. I don't mean to sway from the conversation here, but you do have, <laughs> a book she rises for tomorrow. I do. And I just happen to have it here <laughs> to show everybody. It's actually a collaborative book. So anybody who would like to buy this on Amazon, you've got to make sure my name is on it. Because, but but it's, it's very relevant actually. So it, it's not just, oh, out of the blue, we have a book because I really do speak about this particular journey with my mother. I speak about it here. So this book, is actually a, a, a collection of entrepreneurs that talk about adversity and how they were able to get past adversity, whatever that looks like, um, to be able to then come out on the other side and be successful entrepreneurs in whatever that looks like. And uh, 
I never fancied myself as a as an author, but but it 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 uh, once I finally picked up and read my own chapter, and that was only a few weeks ago. I thought, oh, it's very short, <laughs> and and that made me realize, hmm, maybe there are a few more words in here, maybe. <laughs> But I, but you know, and actually, I think you kind of read my mind a little bit, because when you brought up the book, I was thinking about what you were saying just a few moments before around people that what whatever you are struggling with, like we're recording this now in May. May is Mental Health Awareness Month globally, um, and so. For anybody struggling, you will, without a doubt, there'll be other people struggling with the same things as you. So I would actually say the first step is to go and seek where are there some other people that can understand me, that have really walked in the same shoes as I've walked in. And, and part of that, you can read about the stories like ours in a book like this. If you are, you know, the, the you know, the the work that I do actually. If you if you take it all the way back to its roots, the work I do comes from Alcoholics Anonymous. Oh. So then, of course, there's all sorts of support groups from codependent anonymous to alcoholic and narcotics anonymous to, and especially now on Facebook, there are enormous amounts of private Facebook groups that are, that are specifically geared to something that whatever you are struggling with. So I would say to anybody listening, if, if you are having challenges and you're not quite ready to perhaps seek out a professional, but there's so much healing in being heard by other people that know exactly what you're talking about. And that's why, you know, when, if I hear about a suicide, I will often reach out to a person to say, I know very well, the only people that can really understand this are people that have gone through this so know that I'm here if you need support. And the same goes with if you, I don't know if you ever uh, contacted a support group for, for, for people that are in abusive relationships, but I, I bet you there will be also groups like that on, on Facebook. And, and I think, you know, the healing to just be seen and heard without anybody trying to fix you and I think a lot can happen in Facebook groups. There's so, there can be a lot of intimacy there. So I would, that's what I wanted to say. And so one way is to read other people's journeys and you can read people's, uh, you know, famous people's stories, or you can read less famous people's stories. And that can bring a lot of soothing, I would say, because at the end of the day, to know that, wow, we're all a part of this humanity. Like we're all struggling with something. We're all doing our best. And to find your tribe could be, I think, very helpful. Oh, I do love that. And that was me. I devoured any kind of book that I saw. Hi, Miss Jo. She's joining us today. Thank Hi, you. Jo. Oh, she has a comment here for you. My dad went to AA. Mom went to Al-Anon. Oh. And I attended Al-Anon in Alatine. Wow. Wonderful, Joe. I've got goosebumps. Oh, God, my whole body is just... <laughs> I found a group for people going through violence through a local women's shelter and community center. Oh, awesome. I'm still goosebumping here. Oh, that's truly wonderful, Joe. So you know exactly what we're talking about. It's so important to, to have somewhere to go. And like when Joe talked about the shelter, 
maybe you're it's not a shelter that you need per se but to find shelter somewhere Ooh, yeah. shelter from the storm right and that could be in an in an alcoholics anonymous like joe said or it could be in a private facebook group with 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 <laughs> yippers <laughs> with people with the same that are walking the same journey as you do there is so much healing in that at the you know find that what works for you and especially at the beginning of the journey it's often just lovely just to be able to be with others and then when you you already take take the next move and kind of move through those feelings then you might need a professional of course but either way always know that you will never be alone with the challenges that you're facing we are all facing one challenge or another and although i've moved through my depression i never went back there but there's always something else coming up. I am absolutely a work in progress. And I say this again and again, because I don't want anybody listening to think that I, you or I, for example, have reached some magical destination. This is an, I think by the time I take my last breath, I will still have some sort of book on my bedside table <laughs> with some wonderful inspiration, or I'm still learning from somebody. And that's, that's the beauty. Yes, yes, there mm -hmm. is, there is. And even in that brokenness and healing that brokenness, there is beauty in that. There, there really is an appreciation. And, you know, I've been humbled on my journey. And it's like sometimes taking two steps forward and three steps back, but you dust yourself off and you get up and yeah. you another day. You, you really, you really do. And it can be very discouraging. Okay, Miss Joe, Miss Joe is amazing. She is a warrior. After I started Alateen High School, Port stated I became. I become more outgoing yeah. and more confidence. Awesome. And she is <laughs> such a spitfire, Miss Joe. She uh, I love her to bits. <laughs> but and you know, like you said, you you've started this. And and the thing is with, with supporting other people, often you just need to be a couple of steps before the people that you're supporting. You don't have to have all these letters behind your 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 name. Right. You can actually just, yeah, I was there. Like you said um, a, a few minutes ago, there were some people that, that you came across that you were a few steps ahead of them and they still hadn't quite got there. But even just like you left your abusive relationship six months before them, they did, or two months before, that still means that you've had plenty of, of steps that you've taken before them and you can be a help, yeah. right? And I think that's just... You know, I have a dear, dear friend who who um, attends AA meetings regularly, and she's also a sponsor. And she's and and, and also she, during lockdown in the UK, she has um, compromised lungs, so she couldn't see people for months. Mm -hmm. And she said that her being a sponsor was an enormous. And again, my goosebumps are coming back up. Her being a sponsor like saved her day wow. you know she could really be of service and these people really and of course then you're also supporting each other right so right. so um you know what wherever you go the important thing is that you go there and you don't suffer in silence and that's what i did when i had my depression mm -hmm. for a year i suffered in silence mm -hmm. and even at the time i remember you know i'd I'd met this guy that was super cute and I decided to uh, have him come around one day and, and he looked at my book collection 
And there was so much shame because he kind of looked at me like, what's all this crap that you're reading basically, excuse my language, <laughs> because he just could not, he could not relate to, to the kind of titles that I was reading. Cause of course I was trying to figure out what the hell am I going to do to get myself out of this pain, but on the surface and everyone else kind of, I was putting on this mask of happy, mm. which I'm sure many listeners can also relate to. Definitely. And, and, um, and now I think I think it's much more common that 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 and I suppose more accepted that that we, we need help. And so so when I speak to people now, um it's much more accepted to read things like self-development books or you know, like I, I I remember reading a couple of books on suicide after my mom's death. And I just thought to myself, I was reading this book and I'm just thinking, wow. There's so many things we would have recognized in this book if we'd known about it. But of course, who picks up a book about suicide, right? Exactly, right. But right. but um, but there's so many resources out there that you can support yourself, whatever your your um, whatever you're struggling with. And you and mentioned about I don't mean to interrupt you about the self-help books and you know even picking up somebody's that maybe a famous person and I used to joke when someone would ask me about my healing journey if they didn't know about it I'd say oh yeah I'm friends with Oprah and I'm friends with Wayne Dyer and I'm friends with Louise <laughs> Hay and they're like wow you know those people I said yeah I pop the CD in my car when I'm driving and I listen to them <laughs> but I listen to them so much you do <laughs> oh and they they felt like my friends. In the past. <laughs> oh Miss Joe Miss Joe, she's working second shift, so she should be sleeping now. Today, well, <laughs> but she has some other things here too. Her dad loved being a sponsor. One of his favorite saying was, "Before AA, I had life, but after AA, I had a life." Wow, that is really good. Mm. Wow, that's really good stuff. He lived, yeah, yeah, re yeah. yeah. It's, and and that's. I suppose also what I started this conversation with where I said, you know, I lived such an inauthentic life right. and that feels very empty inside. Right. I just felt like a bit of a shell of a woman and doing, you know, and all my actions were to, to find love. All the things that I was doing was looking to be accepted, but it was really hurting my essence. And so then I had to go back in and take care of little Pia, you know, this this little wounded child inside. And of course, there is no little girl inside of me. It's it's a way to describe this energy that's still alive in most of us until we go back and give her or him a voice, give her a chance to feel those feelings that she felt when she was five, but there was no room for her to feel those feelings. She and all the things that we swallow we've got to find a way to start expressing that. And so I hope we have a few moments because I want to, let me see if I have a, I am not a very good drawer, but hopefully this will <laughs> give you an idea. So here we have 
a human being, an adult. That's a very good drawing. It oh, gives no. you an idea, at least. This is a big person. And hopefully we didn't lose you completely. <laughs> Uh-oh. Let's see if we're still live. I don't know if we are. Let me check. It looks like we might still be live. Should I continue talking? Maybe I continue talking and then we, hopefully Melinda comes back. So this is a human being. So on the surface, this is what you get. And mostly you think like all your decisions, all your considerations, everything that you're doing, you're doing through your adult brain or your adult consciousness. But that's not the case, because inside you have this inner child, and that's basically the end. Oh, there you are. I'm still talking, talking because I saw on your Facebook that you Thank were. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So I was just saying that most of us, we're thinking that with our adult body, that we're everything that we're doing is we're doing it from our adult consciousness. But inside of each of us, we have our inner child. And what that looks like, it means that everything that is unhealed from your childhood, when we get triggered, we, this little guy comes out. So when you get triggered, whatever reasons you're, you're triggered, you're not responding from the adult consciousness, you're reacting from your child the immaturity of the child. And so the inner work is to make this inner child consciousness much smaller. And therefore, the smaller the inner child, the more. So now you can see the aim is just to have this little black, black uh, picture of the inner child there. And now the voice of this little person is very faint. And now the voice of the adult consciousness has much more space. So for most people that have done no inner child healing or any healing from the past, they have this big, big part inside that's that's driving the, the car, that's in charge of, you know, driving the show. And then as you do more and more work, this consciousness in here gets smaller and smaller till we just want this tiny little guy and then you're much more authentic from your adult self. I like that. I like that. And Miss Jill says that's probably why I still get scared around drunk, angry men. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, angry on its own is already scary. Drunk on its own is already scary. And then drunk and angry. It's uh, And that's very true, Joe, because at the end of the day, that person... Like when you get angry, when I get angry, something is triggered inside, right? Mm -hmm. And the challenge then is that we think that it's something that's happening right now, but it's actually usually based on something that's happened before. And so we can't fix what's happened before, but we can go back and re-feel it, re-explore it 
to a point where, okay, I can, I can put that part to bed now. It's done with. I know it's there, but it's not having this hold on me. My dad was great, except when he was drunk and yeah. he was violent. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And, and of course, violence and, and anger and rage and things like that. Many of these, these expressions comes from a feeling of helplessness inside. And helplessness is one of those emotions that are very difficult for us to feel. Like we have no way to go, nowhere to run. There's nothing I can do with the situation. And then we resort to these strategies that really are not healthy, like addiction, like, and all addiction is numbing, right? So that can be shopping, it could be exercise, and of course the obvious, you know, uh, alcohol and drugs, food, the list goes on. And and um, and so we we uh, oh nice. Yeah, Donna has actually some very beautiful lyrics. She does. Um, but yeah, so so we've got it. I've kind of lost my train of thought now. <laughs> but yeah, so all those feelings that that are explosive, of course, it it, it really comes from this place of. I feel helpless. I've already numbed myself out, but now I'm just, I, there's nothing else to do, but I've got to get this out. And then like Joe said, her father was, became violent. And that's actually coming from that green person here. Mm. It's actually not really that it's, it's an adult that's still in this immature place of I'm helpless because children are helpless. Right. And if we bring that consciousness into your adulthood, you still think that you're helpless. And that's when we act out, right? Right. And I still, you know, it's not like I'm immune to that. I, I feel helpless quite often, especially now in, in lockdown. But yes. of course, some resources, right, that I could, that I can support myself in, the, in during those moments. Right. And that's, and that's another thing, too, with the COVID crazy here that we have. But my goodness, you yourself and there's another gal that i'm actually two other gals in different countries and you guys are all still on lockdown so i feel so blessed to have the freedoms that we do and i mentioned this to you before that you know i'm going to stop whining about wearing you know having to go over here or here when you guys are still locked down yeah really oh like like yesterday i had a really not very proud moment mm -hmm. uh and and i was just putting food in the oven and something wasn't working, but clearly this there's a lot of stuff going on inside. And I was just screaming at the at the oven, like from the top of my lungs. But actually, I also realized in that moment that I just I needed an outlet and it was a safe place. You know, it was I wasn't hurting anybody. But that helped me just to kind of, okay, you have a way just to express what you're feeling right now. And I think that's that's another great thing to learn is to learn how to express your feelings in a safe way. Instead of what Joe sadly had to experience, which is at the hands of her violent father. Right. But instead having other ways to, to that rage that he was then inflicting on his children, if he had other healthier ways to deal with that, his poor kids did not have to be 
be so traumatized by something so scary and painful. Exactly, exactly. And then repeating, ending up in relationships probably afterwards, you know, because they say it's a generational thing. And um, I can attest to that. I definitely can. So if somebody is out there watching, like Joe or uh, Mike right now, and they're wondering, well, what baby steps can they take? Do you have any? Uh, oh, I have another comment here. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> Michael, same thing. Ooh, is there any tips that you can give them just to make a, a baby step? And I always tell people, hey, if you can get out of bed, get dressed and shower, that's sometimes that's something. That's a baby step. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's, there's so many things, you know, depending on what, what you're comfortable with. But, but I would say that what I noticed, what I said earlier about Facebook groups, what I noticed, for example, in my own Facebook group is that the majority of people are silent um, observers. Right. They take everything in, but they need to have that privacy. And for many people, so for, let's imagine that, that you know, uh, you're a codependent or you're in a group for, for um, domestic violence, people that have, let's even say, you know, group, Facebook group for women who suffered domestic violence, just to be very specific. And you, that might be your first step to be a silent witness to what's, what's being shared. And then finally, it's like, okay, now, hi, everybody, my name's Pia, and I've had this experience as well. Thank you for having me here. And that might, you know, it, it's just being in a space where you don't feel alone. Because mm -hmm. uh, I, I spent like a year pretty much on my own, just suffering on my own. And it's not a good place to be. No, no, it's not. And I so I, I think that sometimes it's not so easy to understand what people are going through. And, and a, a very lovely uh, way of communicating that you can do if you have people in your life that are trusted to you, that you feel safe with, then you can do um, a type of sharing, which is not a dialogue. It's not a conversation. It's not coaching. It's not therapy. It's none of that. It is taking turns sharing where you are at. Hmm. So if I was sharing where I'm at, all you're doing is you have full attention to me. You are silently witnessing what I'm sharing. You don't need to add anything, but you're giving me the experience of being fully seen and fully taken in. And then when it's your turn, I will do the same. Mm -hmm. So the tables are turned and you're sharing where you're, you're at in this moment. And I'm giving you my full presence and respect and love just through my eyes, through my being and through my silence to the point where you don't necessarily even discuss it afterwards. So for example, what my husband and I might do, we say, okay, 10 minutes each and we have a timer. So we really put a structure in place. He shares and, and it's so wonderful because often we don't want to be fixed. We don't want somebody else to tell us what to do. We just want to be heard. Yes. We want to be seen because as children, we were often not seen and often not heard. Right? right, and so this is a, so. So this is specifically though, if you have have a safe friend, someone you really know that 
your heart can be safe with. Uh, my first step was to, to read books on things that, that I was, was dealing with. And these days, of course, there's so many resources mm -hmm. online. You can just watch wonderful podcasts like your podcast on the various, you know, be it Spotify or whatever, even on you. I, I love YouTube, for example. But really, I would say seeking out people that have somehow overcome some of the things that you're struggling with. So if it's a abusive relationship, there will be resources out there. I would definitely inquire into ways to quieten the inner world. And by that, you know, meditation and mindfulness. And so with, there's some very simple techniques where you, for example, can just focus on the breath. So you can just breathe through the nose and just notice how it feels that the breath is going through your nostrils and notice how it feels when your belly expands and just becoming more aware of the sensations in the body as you're breathing. So you have two things here. You just have, when you're focusing on the breath, there's less room for mind chatter. And when there is a bit of mind chatter, it's okay. Keep focusing on the breath. And maybe you can do that for two minutes a day. You don't have to do this. You don't have to travel to India or Nepal to do this. You can just do it in your bed when you wake up or just before you go to sleep. But as you start becoming more quiet, my experience at least has been that there's more, a sense of more expansion inside. So when, as you become familiar with a little bit more meditation, and like I said, it could be just just focusing on your breath. Then as you get triggered in your day, this expansion that you feel inside actually allows you to not that a little bit less of the knee jerk reactions and it gives space for more responsiveness, right? Mm -hmm. So that instead of going ah, like that, it's like, hmm, I have more space so I can contain what I'm experiencing right now, because through meditation or breath, I have created more spaciousness inside to deal with this. And so these are some really simple, and then just go on YouTube, for example, and, and find meditations. And you can even do guided meditations. Just listen, see how that goes. It's so so many things I can recommend. <laughs> and I'm backed up on comments and I don't mean to interrupt you there. So let me get, share some of these with you. So Joe's here. Oh, it's got between my ex and our son. He wanted our son to drink more and was going to beat him for not drinking anymore. Oh my gosh. I got between the two and it was mama bear and told him he had to go through me to get to mm. him. Wow. That's a real mama bear thing to do, right? Yes. Dad wasn't violent to ask kids. Yeah. Call, he used to go after mom. Mm. And then Michael, my dad was violent toward my mom while drinking, and he quit drinking. He right. Maybe when I was him. talking about Joe earlier, it was it was a comment from Michael, and I I'd mixed them up. So. Oh, that's okay. And but the thing is, though, that actually violence affects mm. children deeply, even if even if your parents never touched you physically 
the fact that you had to ex experience or witness violence mm -hmm. in whatever way that looked like. It could be you're only hearing the screaming whilst you're hiding in your room, or you physically see, or like Jo said, I, uh, she got between her and her, uh, her, her husband and her son. Right. Like, but as children, that violence is violence towards them. It doesn't have to be physical for it to be trauma. And trauma, that just ends up sitting in our bodies. So so that's a whole other... I was just going to say, that's a whole other show. <laughs> that's a whole other show talking about trauma. But, 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 uh, but just to be really clear, of course, the, the act of violence, physical violence is, is horrendous. But you don't have to be touched to be traumatized by that, to be deeply affected by it. Your nervous system would be so stressed out by that. And that, of course, then informs us about what's okay and what isn't in our adult life, which is why often we then get into situations like um, abusive relationships, um, etc., or we get trampled all over in more subtle ways. That's beautiful, Michael, going for roller skating. Yeah, and, and being physical is a wonderful way, right? Just moving the body is a wonderful way to, in fact, um, help our mental and emotional world. And that's one thing I noticed being in lockdown in winter here in Germany, that I was moving a lot less than what I used. I used to, and I really noticed the difference. Now I've started putting my alarm on, on my phone once every hour. So if I'm here on the computer, I've got a, I didn't do it for this hour because I wasn't sure how long we were going to be. So, oh, <laughs> that is, speaking of, you know, my phone's listening to me. I guess I did do that. So this is a reminder for me to get up and do something. And that really also, you know, stagnant energy. So any energy that we want to get rid of, be it like that scream that I had in the kitchen yesterday, right. um, move energy in whatever way you can. So let's imagine that you are dealing with a lot of frustration. Could be anger, but it could just be frustration. A very simple thing to do, and I didn't choose this pillow because I had yellow tulips. <laughs> either hit a pillow or hit a mattress that's a really nice safe way to express right or you can even and you scream into the pillow if you worry about what the neighbors are going to do and that's an, another you don't even have to put words to it but if if you're experiencing a lot of energy and, and emotions inside that's a great way to release some of that energy you know, movement, sport, dancing, putting some really nice loud music on, dancing for no reason other than just kind of getting rid. I do this very often. Uh, if you have a tennis racket, you can bash your mattress on the bed. Like moving energy, when it when you're starting to notice it's there, you're noticing that, oh, I'm really frustrated with the food that I did yesterday. Okay, just bash a pillow. I didn't scream into the pillow. I could have done. I, it was... <laughs> But 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 finding ways to to um, to express the emotions that are coming up as well, uh, because then you won't express it to others. Right. If you do it in a safe way, you don't then 
you know, lash out at others. And I think that's the key here is not to hurt yourself and not to hurt somebody else. We've got a few more comments. Michael's mother was born. When, I guess that's in Germany. I'm not, uh, Michael, I'm not German myself, but it sounds very German, this name. Oh, and then Miss Jo. More immediately, him was. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So yes. physical abuse is just one type of abuse. There's, uh, you know, that's very much emotional abuse, and it's it's very damaging for for the nervous system of a small child who hasn't fully developed yet. When we are adults, we can actually cope with a lot more than what little children can. Yeah. So so that little that little kid that's inside of each of us, whatever size that is, you know, like I said earlier, we have those, the strategies that we kind of figured out could keep us safe. We needed them as children, but we don't need them anymore. We've got to find new ways to be healthy in an adult body. And again, I'm going to repeat it. The only, it's the only way through the feelings feeling what you weren't able to feel or at least you weren't able to express this as express it as a child right right and that even might mean you just give your, yourself permission because maybe you didn't feel you had the permission as a child to be able to share those emotions to beat that pillow yeah you know to scream definitely oh mm. well thank you so very much i appreciate all of this oh i've got another comment Paper and pen, yes. I'm all about journaling. Mm. Paper and pen technique, awesome. Mm. Now, if and anybody, often I with with clients of mine, I get them to journal. I get them to. Sometimes I might just give them a couple of questions to inquire into, to feel into. And the great thing about you know, you know, Michael brought that up, but just as you just allow your consciousness to go things will come, yes. things come, right? Like, wow, I hadn't thought about that memory for a while and that will maybe lead you on to some other amazing insight that will support you on, on your journey. But of course, at the end of the day, you know, the, I, you know, speaking very much from my own experience is that, you know, there's, there's a lot you can do on your own, but at the end of the day to, to be with a, be with a professional who can really, hold space for you and support you in the way that you need is I would say the penultimate. But in the meantime, there's so, you know, as we've discussed, there's so many ways that you can, you can take care of yourself and, and start taking little baby steps and expressing yourself, be it safely on your own with pillows and mattresses or with a trusted friend where you can start putting words to what you're feeling. And the beauty of that. And I, I've done hours and hours of this kind of sharing and it, it, it's so relaxing because, and I remember friends of mine when we've done it together, they say, it's so relaxing that nobody's trying to take, you know, you know, the moment I take a breath and somebody else wants to jump in and have some airtime, this is your airtime. It's very healing. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I'm going to end this on that note. So thank you so much for sharing all the vulnerability all the great tips. I do appreciate that. And I feel like you're my soul sister. I love everything you said. 
the healing, the dancing, the, the books. Yes. Yes. If anybody is looking for her book, you can find that on Amazon, or maybe you wish to connect with her to find out more about what she does. By all means, please, I did post the links in the comments. Joe says thanks. <laughs> and um, being yeah. here, Joe, thank you for contributing. Yes, really and Michael, helpful. you too. Thank yeah. you, thank you. But you can find her links in the comments towards the top. And um, I can also post them again as well. So thank you so much, Pia. I do appreciate that. And prayers for you on lockdown. And hopefully that'll end soon. For all at of us, least, at least the, the trees are starting to, you know, it's, it's become suddenly very green. And that's been such a beautiful process to watch. So it's getting a little bit warmer. It's, you know, maybe 10 degrees now, which is a lot better than two or <laughs> minus two. Oh, yes. yeah. It's eight degrees Celsius. Ooh. So thank you, Michael. <laughs> Well, I'm going to end. So thank you all for watching and tuning in. If you want to watch this or if you do read, the, excuse me, watch us in the replay, do a hashtag replay. <laughs> Michael loves Germany. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Where are you, Michael? I guess he's in the States with you. He is. He is. And I don't remember where he's at right now. He was in Indiana. I don't remember where he's at right now. I was thinking it was someplace a lot warmer than where I'm at. <laughs> so what happened to the, our interview will be 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Oh, he's from Kentucky. <laughs> you know, and sometimes this happens. So yeah. thank you for your we time. We can keep going, right? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much again. And thank you for having this platform. It's so important for people to have a place to go and you are obviously one of those places for people to go. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. <laughs> and thanks again for tuning in. I hope you all have a great rest of your day. Love you. Please stay Bye. safe. Bye. <laughs>